Blog Talk Radio. J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Yes, indeed, this will be our last show prior to the uh, date of December 21st, 2012, which we've been making reference to in the last number of shows. Last week, for those of you who listen with any regularity, know that we had uh, convened a roundtable on the Mayan calendar and on which we had the Mayanist, the Mayan scholar from Sweden and now the United States, Carl Kalman, the author of many books. We had on David Katzmeier uh, talking about colorhythms and how the Mayan calendar coincides with his understanding of the cycles of the universe, especially this Earth. Uh, we had Monty Taylor on, Jungian astrologer. We had Cal Garrison on, the author of the Astrology of 2012 and Beyond, who is Drunpalo Melchizedek's astrologer. And we had Stephen Dynan on, who is the co-founder of the Shift Network and is helping to give birth with Barbara Marks Hubbard, funny image, of the entire uh, movement called Birth 2012, based on her latest book, and there will be a 33-hour global broadcast of all of that happening, echoing throughout the world, resounding, as it were, with a lot of really uh, wonderful celebrity types who will be speaking about their understanding and their um, uh, wish for a beautiful future that this event, December 21st, is thought to midwife. So, in that uh, same kind of theme, we're continuing on today with a slightly different tilt because I've invited on my dear colleague and friend, Sasha Stone from London, who will be speaking with us about his participation in a conference down in Chichen Itza beginning uh, Friday. Uh, December 21st. He is the executive director of Humanitad, which is a non-sectarian organization dedicated to uniting people and nations of the world beyond the artifice of religions, cultural and socioeconomic divides. 
The organization serves as an architect and facilitator of global initiatives impacting sustainability, social and economic reform, as well as human and planetary welfare and betterment. He has uh, orchestrated a number of very interesting initiatives, which he will be speaking about in today's show, that you really want to learn about. You really want to know what Sasha has been up to, incubating, as it were, for a number of years. Interestingly, Sasha was uh, a well-known rock musician before he endeavored upon these um, very high-minded and big-hearted initiatives. And uh, he's a gem of a man, and I just love him so much. And it's just a pleasure to have him on the show today, speaking from his heart and um, and truly luminous mind about the work he's doing on this planet that very much coincides with the energy and the theme and the values that are being given rise to here uh, around uh, this date of December 21st. Uh, then, following Sasha, we will have on Joseph Giovi, uh, who is the executive director of a film that was just released literally a couple of weeks ago in light of the December 21st date called Shift of the Ages. After seven years of writing, scripting, editing, shooting, this film has just come out, and anyone can see it. Uh, for free, no cost, up through midnight of December 21st if you just go to www.shiftoftheages.com. Joseph is also the founder of commonpassion.org, really interesting project, which again has to do with uh, cultivating the energy toward shaping a better world, you know? And for those of you who listen regularly know that that's really what we're up to here on A Better World Radio. In one way or another, in the domains of environment, healing, politics, justice, um, recreating a new level of social norm, all of this is part of our work at A Better World, both radio, TV, and our organization at large. And if Joseph is able to... um, extract Don De La Alejandro, who is the primary Mayan elder of them all, who is soon on his way also to Chichen Itza, um, from a photo shoot that they're both involved in out in L.A., he will bring on uh, Wandering Wolf onto the airwaves as well to join us for the last few minutes of the show and share with us from the heart uh, some of his wisdom stories. And uh, I have uh, met him before. I've met all of the main Mayan elders at the UN some uh, two years ago, I'd say. And we had Hunbat's men on A Better World Radio back then as well. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So stay tuned, and we'll have a, a lot of interesting material and fun on today's show. Remember, you can access us at www.abetterworld.tv. That's abetterworld.tv, and sign up for our newsletter there at any time and get access to all of our past uh, archived shows. So, Sasha, such a pleasure to have you on. 
Hey, Mitch. Lovely, lovely uh, sitting back here and listening to you do that wonderful introduction. I'm just wondering why on earth you need anyone to come on your show. You're so good at doing what you do. But I have to say, I'm, I'm having a real hard time shaking off that image of Barbara Marks Hubbard giving birth. You've really disturbed me. <laughs> Excuse me. I was too picturesque. <laughs> I know. I, as I was in the middle of it, it was to retrieve it, bring it back. <laughs> Whence it came, you know. But <clears throat> I understand. Well, we think of her, Barbara Marks Hubbard, who's been a guest on our show a number of times, as the grandmother, or you could maybe think of her as the midwife or the doula. <laughs> so, Indeed. I, I, I hope that I, helps I, you, Sasha. I haven't. I haven't actually had the pleasure of meeting her, but I've got many mutual friends. Yes, the, I know you Michael. do. I know you do. She's a lovely woman. And um, I'm sure as time goes on, uh, the opportunities will come for me to make the introduction. It would be my pleasure. So, Sasha, I am so glad to know you and to count you among my Dharma brothers and uh, committed committed, um, brothers in the domain of changing and transforming this planet into the kind of world and future we were born with, that we've been nurturing in our hearts for so long. And uh, what you have given birth to yourself, Humanitat, somehow that's a finer image, uh, is a, a multi-tasked uh, organization that I'm so pleased to be connected with and uh, I'm so pleased by what you're doing. Why don't we begin with that and then we'll move into what you'll be doing down in um, Chichen Itza mm. this coming Friday. Sure. Do, do you want me to give you an overview of, of our organizational? Yeah. Um, okay. If well, you the, would, yeah. Sure. The primary organization, as you know, Mitch, is Humanitas, which was set up um, many years ago in my, in my uh, dissolute youth. And now that I'm <laughs> in my dissolute middle age, it's grown, grown to somewhat epic proportions intellectually, certainly. And we've got so many wonderful people around the world. Yes keyed into the organization and helping to um, use it as a, a generic platform upon which to dream the new dream. Yeah. Th- that said, um, as we've evolved in the last few years, we've, we've had to um, grow um, a few different organizations on, on that platform. So Humanitat is really now an umbrella organization within which we have um, a few other organizations, the, the one being uh, the Natural World Organization, an intergovernmental organization which we founded. And uh, which is is promoting accountability and transparency um, at, uh, in governments around the world, and actually ensuring them uh, through a law commission which we've set up. Um, we've got the EarthSanctuary.org, and that is um, a, a, an organisation which has been working on creating um, the protections for communities um, around the world which want to release themselves from the stranglehold of the enclosures of um, uh, corporate-sponsored governments uh, and the taxations and all the nonsense that goes with uh, our reality matrix. So the Earth Sanctuary Organization is fighting for sovereignty and uh, really effectively the return of the global commons to the human family and out of the hands of the uh, uh, elites and the enclosures. We have another organization called uh, the New Earth uh, Project.org, which actually we launch on the 21st, which is in a few days' time. And that's uh, primarily what I'll, I'll be birthing, as you, as you say, yes. through, the, through the 20, uh, 21 to the 23rd 
um, shift. We're launching it through the global, global broadcast, which is taking place mm -hmm. um, next week or later, later in a few days' time. Uh, the New Earth project is really what I'm focusing on at the moment, so I'd be happy to go into more detail in yes. this conversation on it. And that it, it's really the delivery um, mechanism for seeding and manifesting and financing um, and implementing and growing new uh, conscious fractal communities. We're, we're coining the term fractal communities because we're predicating um, the rollout of these communities on, on geometry. Um, some would say it's sacred geometry. I suggest that all geometry is sacred. I would suggest, yeah. that, I would suggest moreover that all life is sacred, so we should actually do away with that word. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're predicating the rollout of these uh, fractal communities on geometry and the geometry which invites wellness and abundance and um, consciousness upliftment, which sounds uh, pretty uh, esoteric until you understand the, the quantum mathematic or the quantum metric. Um, God, now there is a contradiction in terms of talking in terms of a quantum metric. <laughs> but in, insofar as there is a quantum metric, I believe that we're onto it. And uh, we've been conducting experiments even with, uh, with seeds. Our, our prime architect, who's a wizard of a, a designer, um, has been designing our buildings for the communities that we're rolling out on the uh, geometry of the lotus flower. Mm. And, and we've conducted various experiments with seeds and sprouts and what have you. And just the way in which these seeds are growing inside the architectural uh, uh, structures uh, that we've created, uh, we're having a three, a three, a hundred percent amplification of growth pattern. It's extraordinary stuff. Oh my! So, what is the method by which this is occurring? Well, it's it's, it's pure spin and, and geometry. I'm not an expert at this stuff. Uh, legends and, and friends like Dan Winter yeah. would be would be far uh, better versed to, 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 to describe this stuff. Yeah. But effectively, it's creating. It's, it's embodying in the housing and the architecture uh, the geometric forms which contribute to wellness and help to accelerate um, the, recti the, the rectification of, of Kundalini and uh, what have you. And we've, we've seen this happen in practice. We've actually just built uh, the first prototype house in Bali, Indonesia. Yeah. And uh, it's just extraordinary. We're bringing people in there and spending, sleeping there at night time. We'll, we'll keep you well-versed on what happens in this place. But I'll tell you, we've created an extraordinary space. And it, it, it's really designed for the human bioform. So when you sleep in one of these homes, which is effectively a dome shape, mm -hmm. um, but it's a lot more complex than just a dome. You can go on the website and check it out. Yes. Um, and, and, and again, this is designed to implement and affect wellness at the atomic, subatomic, molecular, endocrine, hypothalamic uh, levels, at, at every level, and they work. So if you talk, about, you talk about creating a community, a new community, and building from the ground up a new fractal community, yes. that's how we decided to do it. We decided to be as pure in this as possible, to use pure geometry. So we're rolling out based on Mandelbrotian and, and Julia fractal um, these communities, the way in which they'll actually be designed and, and, and emerge. Uh, the first three that we're launching are Costa Rica, Samoa, and uh, Hawaii. And we'll be announcing a further, I think, 10 or 11 locations uh, on the 1st of March. Uh, we'll be, we know what, what they are, but we're just doing the contract at the moment. We've got people all around the world offering land 
into the new work project and we are then sending our SWAT team in to do the analysis of that land um, and begin the process of creating the seeding. You know it's something close to your heart because we're actually talking to you, Mitch, about um, uh, joining uh, up and, uh, with you and involving and, and oh, the community. In fact, yeah. just yesterday, uh, Sasha, I contacted the, uh, the county seat in order to get the plat maps to uh, forward to you and your people having to do with the property in Yogaville which will be on the New Earth property map in short order. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bang on a little bit more on this theme quickly. Because Me too. I want to talk in these terms, terms that people will understand. We're living now in environments which are entirely mutated and toxic to the human biome form, let alone to the human spirit. You talk about being birthed into square rooms in hospitals. We talk about being slapped, having the umbilical severed by a strange man in a white coat. You know, this kind of alienation premise of being birthed into the world and being effectively slapped into a wakefulness yeah. is a complete violation of, of, of human, uh, human spirit. Now, we then grow up in... And dignity. And dignity, nice word. We grow up in schools and communities and buildings and hospitals and houses, which are, again, square rooms uh, surrounded with copper wires and electrical fields which are pumping up diabolical... EM pollutions, which are mutating ourselves. So we've got this, this toxic environment, just in respect of the built environment, which is really the blank canvas upon which we live and supposedly are supposed to thrive. So we just take that and go back to the mathematics of, 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 of life-giving form, and that's where we're starting these uh, new earth project communities. We're really beginning with the built environment, ensuring that there is no toxicity, that we use organized um, technology wherever we can, and we can dispel the subtle radiations and the, uh, the toxins in the water, the air, and, and, and the soil. So obviously, we devise them on permaculture principles as well, fully organic. We've got rain harvesting technologies that um, we've developed, which harvest rainwater and turn that water into superconscious, um, heightened molecularized water, and that then feeds back into the community. Um, which, of course, as we all know now, courtesy of uh, Emoto and various other uh, um, advanced uh, new scientists, we, know, we now know the importance of, of consciousness and water. Furthermore, the technologies are being powered up by our own proprietary technologies, which you know a bit about, Mitch, and this is yes. really brings me to the last organization within humanity, which is the exemplarzero.org, uh, yes. which houses the Exemplar Zero Initiative, uh, which uh, we launched at the United Nations in 2010, uh, precisely in order to create a bubble or a safe harbor for breakthrough technologies, quantum technologies, and so-called free energy to be birthed into the mainstream. So we invited various nations in a multilateral observance to come in and witness the birthing of that initiative. Uh, I was Director General of the Intergovernmental Renewable Energy Organization, um, uh, out of the United Nations at that yes. in 2010, um, a, a position which I accepted in order to birth this initiative. Yes. I underscore the fact that I am not a fan of the United Nations. <laughs> okay. But I am a fan of many really people within that um, diabolical construct who are trying to do good work. As soon as they flush out the Babylonian priesthood who are driving that uh, centralized multilateral game, then I think the United Nations might actually evolve into what it was intended to be at its inception. Um, Interesting. 
it happens as a footnote here, Sasha. I uh, bumped into uh, someone I originally know through uh, a peace event I was part of, uh, the uh, Task Force on Nonviolence, uh, honoring Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King some years ago, Jonathan Granoff. We were at an event together yesterday, and I remembered him to you, of course, and uh, we had a warm talk. Now, he is one of the people that uh, is connected to Humanitat. Is that correct? Interesting enough, I've been on the phone today and yesterday and the day before with Jonathan because I've got him doing a live broadcast insert, a live goodwill message insert into this global broadcast. Right, he told and me that, yes. Along with a bunch of other uh, sort of, uh, luminary friends. So, yeah. Jonathan, I love Jonathan to death. I haven't seen enough of him in the last year or so. But right. But this is the kind of, you know, I, I would put it this way, um, not to make some kind of declaration about this because I really don't want to do that, but just to say, um, just to say there are many people who have affiliated themselves with the United Nations, including yourself, who are very... I uh, use the phrase high-minded and big-hearted and visionary, and yet have found that that is an inadequate vehicle for actually accomplishing their dreams. Well, let, let me just say, I, I, I was never naive or, or stupid enough to imagine the United Nations was going to fulfill any dreams of my own. Um, I've always had uh, misgivings about uh, a, a government uh, full stop, and certainly a multilateral government, the yeah. European, European Union, and the uh, United Nations and uh, these kinds of multilateral institutions are it, diabolical and extreme to my mind and my sensibilities. I work with them and continue uh, to work to some extent uh, w with them uh, only in order to progress what I believe to be an agenda that fulfills that of human and planetary betterment. That's what Humanitat is engaged with doing. And to some great extent, we're required to work with the multilateral community, but that does not stop me as being vociferous uh, and, and against it in, in every way. I am. I think the government is, is the Luciferian principle incarnate. It, it, I mean, I envisage a world where government is completely enters into dissolution entirely. For God's sake, we don't need to be policed. We don't need uh, to, to have uh, um, members of parliaments or congressmen representing our interests to some invisible centralized covert priesthoods <laughs> that then issue edicts which govern whether or not we can breathe or, 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 or make love on time and govern every aspect of our lives. It's just a nonsense. And I think it's, it's really the, 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 the calcified nightmare um, yes. of ages is what government is, is really turned into. I think it's a diabolical construct. And you know what? I'm happy to now say it. That my life's work is about removing the need for government altogether. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Self-determination, Mitch. We want self-determining people in this world. We want happy, bright poets and artists and dancers. We, 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 we want to roll in the woods and make love. And we want to fly on clouds. We want to enter into our, our supernature. And we do, not, we do not want to be contained and constrained by these covert elites and their awful, awful arcane practices. Very true, very true. I think you and I have both been uh, very much inspired by the archetype Dionysus, Sasha. <laughs> No question. <laughs> um, let's go back. You you put so much rich material on the plate. I want to just um, 
circle back for a moment into um, the initiative specifically of the New Earth Project uh, that's so powerful. I'm so pleased to also be beginning to participate in it uh, with, uh, you know, property that I happen to have. Actually, A Better World has. And it was for the idea of building out a sustainable community. Um, that's why I accessed it in the first place. And you have gone, and we know there's an enormous movement across the planet toward these kinds of eco-sensitive villages, communities, the emphasis of such people as David Corton, who is the author of uh, – Agenda for a local, uh, for a new economy. Mm. Um, there's the entire New Economics Institute movement in England, as a matter of fact, who are doing so much to build out the whole off-grid local economy idea. But it's much more, of course, than economy, and we all know that. It's an entire lifestyle that we're talking about giving birth to. And you, um, through Humanitad and your colleagues, have built out this notion to such a refined state that I would love for you to share a little bit mm -hmm. more of that vision with our sure. audience. Well, it, it comes down to a couple of things. In the first instance, I, I was saying to Dave Gibbons on his radio show. If you could speak a little closer to the microphone, that would be good because it sounds a slight echo. Maybe it's the sure. uh, difference of the room. Is that better? A little bit of better. A little better. I can turn it in slightly. That, that's yeah. close to the yeah. That good? Please go on. Okay. Uh, it, well, there are a couple of things that we, we um, worked out, Mitch, over the years. And one is, is energy. You cannot, you cannot create a new world economy or a new currency until we completely reappraise our relationship with energy. And as I mentioned, when you and I were sharing the... the um, uh, a breakthrough energy uh, congress in, in Amsterdam a few weeks ago. Yes. That the the existing uh, macroeconomic system or socioeconomic system in the world is predicated today on the rape of Gaia, yeah. on on the extraction of resources from the belly of of our planet and the the combustion of those resources on her surface, yeah. which are then harnessed into electrical energy. And that electrical energy is sold as utility uh, to human beings in communities, cities, and towns around the world. We are forced into having jobs in order to pay bills, and those bills fundamentally pay for energy, which is food, lighting, transportation, communication, heating, and uh, air conditioning, and so on. So be clear, enslavement of homo sapiens sapiens is predicated on the need to pay energy bills. If you cannot pay those bills, you cannot survive and you die or you get locked up in a police van and put in some sort of institution. So that's what the root algorithm is of our mutated civilizational construct. The need to perpetrate the rape of our planet in order to allow the, the enslavement of our peoples. Uh, the monies generated, which of course go into the hands of a few dozen uh, family elite. So let's not go into let's not go into bloodlines on this particular call. It's a conversation I would love to have. But yes, just talking about the mutated hologram that we inhabit in within our civilizational construct it is predicated on the rape of Gaia, the desecration of the feminine in in those archetypal terms. 
But yeah. really, it's, it's, it's false energy. It's yeah. harnessing false energy, which, which toxifies us at the same time. It's so, sort of like a false high, you know. It's ghastly. And it's like crazy. running we, on adrenaline. We're junkies. We're all energy yeah. junkies. Everyone yeah. is rushing around, yeah, commuting to work on taxis and buses and planes and helicopters, and we're trying to, hey, I must, I must increase my bus. You know, I, we're just running after something which we never quite uh, achieve, we never quite accomplish. And it's yeah. all predicated on this Luciferian principle uh, of rushing for the gates, trying to get ahead of the game, so that we can, one fine day, hopefully, sit in a meadow and contemplate our navel yeah. and, 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 and Kundalini rising, get in touch with who we are and why we are. That's always the end game. It's always what we, we, we objectify and we look towards it and yeah. we set that as a destination point. Now, that's a nonsense. And we have to stop doing that. We have to stop looking at the destination in front of us and suggesting that if we save enough money or screw enough people in business in order to make enough money, we will then get to a point whereby we can connect with selfhood. No, wrong. We need to actually surrender right now in this instant, in this quantum moment, and stop our individual participation in that holonomic nightmare. And we have to step to the side. More to the point, we have to step within to the quantum of our human heart and enter into the silent witness of what I would call the, 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 the wisdom of insecurity and be in that place. So does Alan Watts, by the way. Delightful. You're in good company, as usual. Excellent. Well, there you have it. The, the ability to become the joker in the pack, just yeah. for one day, to say, you know what, I'm not going to be a member of the pack. I'm not going to be running for gold. I'm not going to be looking at my, uh, you know, aiming for a career. I'm not going to be trying to build a portfolio. I'm not going to be saving money. I'm not going to be taking out insurance policies. I'm not going to be wearing a condom on my head when I walk out the front door. <laughs> you know, I'm going to actually be alive. I'm going to sit here in the present and be fully engaged in the moment. Mm-hmm. And in that place, begin to see that I'm chasing my tail. We're all chasing our tails. We're chasing one another's tails. Worse than that, we're vampiring and cannibalizing off one another. And we're doing it off our planet. And we're doing it off ourselves. So that becomes part of the old mutated construct. And that is the, the, the shift point that is upon us now, uh, to my mind, uh, to my higher sensibility, represents uh, the movement into the other, into the next uh, a great um, holonomic uh, um, um, uh, adventure. Yeah. And that is not, pre- is not predicated on the desecration of the feminine. It's actually predicated... No, quite the contrary. Yeah. In I- fact, I was going to pick up on your exquisitely poetic framing of the issue. I could not have begun to do it that elegantly. I totally appreciate your view as well as the symbolism and the subtext. And uh, it's hard for people to, once born into the current paradigm, Sasha, see the error of our ways uh, until they reach a certain point of looking and looking very bold-facedly at the situation. And then, as Mr. George Ivanovich Gurdjieff would call it, realize in one's gut the terror of the situation, which is the uh, name of one of the chapters in his book, Fields Above Sales to His Grandson, which has everything to do with recognizing how we have truly lost step with the natural rhythms and the natural rhythm of Gaia is at base feminine 
And that recognition is something that we have cast aside for any number of reasons we won't go into in this conversation. But your eloquent way of stating the situation, out of which then comes solutions. And, you know, solution, of course, is going back to the Latin, actually a form of fluid. And the most fundamental element of our planet is water. It's known as the water planet. And that circles back to all of the work that Humanitat is doing, including with the New Earth Project, of bringing us to a place of being able to capture our own water from the sky, from the heaven, and mixing it with the soil and growing our own wonderful organic vegetables in our own backyard that, has, that is also collective in spirit. And it is a revival, if you will, of the spirit of the feminine, which we have individually as well as collectively suppressed. And this also circles back to um, some of the Dionysian archetype that I referenced earlier, which our... Uh, speaks to our appreciation of sensual pleasure. And that is, by definition, a feeling-oriented experience. And that brings us to the root, if you will, of the feminine. So that's a long-winded way of saying how much I appreciate all that you were putting well, forth there. There's a couple of interesting things while you were speaking. One, the moments yeah. which you said you talk about, you said you were talking about Gurdjieff, and then you you mentioned harmonic uh, resonance, or uh, and talk about harmonic resonance. The moment you mentioned his name, I was sitting in my chair in my <laughs> living room looking at Gurdjieff's face on my wall. So anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's there's some nice harmonic resonance going on between the two of us. Oh, but definitely. I, you're very kind, but I, I didn't quite answer your earlier uh, question, and I'm going to quickly do that because yeah. it was important. And then in we're going to come around to what you're up to in Chichen Itza with okay. the Unity Festival. Okay, but, but, but importantly, if we're going to see new communities, there are two things that are required. Why has it not worked hitherto? Why have people not been able to set up these perfect uh, uh, communities, conscious communities around the world? I'll tell you, for two reasons. One... Yeah. One is called energy, because they've had to one way or the other uh, buy coal or oil or gas or diesel or petrol to power up generators in order to be able to heat themselves in Arctic winters or whatever. So yes. here we go. Uh, we've got, as you know, proprietary technologies, which we're unveiling on the work, uh, to the world this year, um, which completely remove the need for petrol, diesel, uh, coal, gas, nuclear, and all the rest of these uh, toxins. Um, and those technologies we are releasing into the market through the EASY initiative uh, in uh, broad daylight and uh, with the uh, uh, Gulf state and Texas oil mafia cartels uh, looking at us, I dare say. I really don't give a damn. We're releasing them nonetheless. We have many people around the world, many governments, many ministers of many developing nations and small island states who are fully conversant with who we are and what we offer. So that new energy based on the uh, water molecule effectively and yes. plasma technology is coming out. I'm so out this glad year. you're bringing that to bear. Yes, thank you. And, you know, I was very frustrated at the Breakthrough Energy Congress because I was not allowed to make those announcements because my team uh, didn't want us to uh, make those announcements some weeks ago. Yes. But we are making the announcement in a couple of days' time through the global broadcast yes. um, where a commercial spot for New Earth Project is being inserted. 
Well, um, I'm honored that you're bringing it forward here on uh, on the show as well. It, and uh, needless to say, and the audience wouldn't know, but uh, Sasha and I are working uh, collaboratively on this as well as other projects that are truly giving birth to a new earth and a new a new society. Please. The, the second point, one was energy, Mitch. Uh, that's we need to address energy before Central. we fully autonomous, self-determining communities. They have to be energy independent. Now they can be, okay? But the other point, the secondary point, why we've not been able uh, to realize conscious communities is this thing called government. Government control. Yes. Governments are always uh, sticking their nose in, in the business of conscious communities, and the next thing you know, you've got a Waco massacre on your hands. God knows what was really going down. In yes. That. That, that neck of the woods on that fine day, but I certainly don't take the storyline spun out by the BBC or the CNN. Yes. The, the bottom line is government control and this endemic uh, need of the Babylonian priests that rig government to extricate money out of uh, the common citizenry through taxes, which are constantly dreamt up uh, by statutes, all of which are unlawful. So you talk about government acting outside of lawfulness, governments acting outside of lawfulness, little mandarins, little gray men in congressional halls and parliamentary uh, offices freaking out statutes and codes, whereupon they begin to penalize humans for just being human. And that then taxes people, penalizes them. We're mugged by police on the streets every day in every country on earth. And that those muggings are then taken to uh, courtrooms where we're continuously mugged again. By, by our judiciary system and our legislature. So there you have it. Human beings, good human beings, are being mugged by government, police, and uh, judiciary, and, and, and so on. How and true. That money flows back in where? To prop up those same diabolical constructs. Government, yes. judiciary, policing, and military. So there you've got it. It's now, a vicious circle. It's more than that. It's, it's a diabolically engineered uh, circle. I call it. Uh, what it is, which is yes. the sacrifice of the blood of innocence. Time out, folks. 2012, let's give it up. Yes, I hear you. That's a beautiful segue, therefore, into December 21st. And while, you're, while you are leaving your lovely flat in London to uh, go all the way to Chichen Itza, there's got to be good reason behind it. So please reveal what's behind it. Why are you going? What's happening? And what does it mean? I'm going because I was invited to the, to the Synthesis Festival by wonderful friends who, who are involved in organizing it. Um, and I, I very much wanted to be either in Bali at my home there, though we're living halfway up a volcano. I either wanted to be there or I wanted to be in Guatemala or, or, or Central um, America. Yeah. And when this call came, I was happy to take it. Initially, I was asked to, if, if I participate. I believe I'm participating in in uh, some panels or whatever's happening, ceremonial stuff's happening there on the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Yes. Um, I'll certainly let you know uh, from there, Mitch, what's happening. But yes. I understand engaged with, um, with the Mayan Council proper in, in ceremony. Um, and I'm, I'm, keen to, I'm keen to be at the epicenter of the closing of the Long Count Tolkien um, in that place at that time. That coordinate to me yes. is the Mayan cosmology is not uh, important to me. Um, no religious uh, religion or, or faith or culture 
um, is important to me any longer. They're all equally of no importance to my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is important is, is the birthing of the quanta of the human collective heart on this dateline, and I believe that that's happening uh, for various reasons. Interesting. Yes. And uh, so it's not that the Mayan calendar necessarily bears any particular interest to you or meaning in itself, but rather I hear you say, Sasha, this is an opportunity for a collective gathering uh, to anoint, if you will, that that molecule of the heart which is going to be expanding into a new future for us all. For no reason other than the fact that the great collective right now wants to get the hell away from our reality matrix. We, we are tired of it. We're tired of war economy. We're tired of butchering one another. We're tired of, of covert control mechanisms. We're tired of institutions. We're tired of so much that colors our so-called civilizational complex. Um, we're, we're a world of war with itself in so many different ways. And, and the dying of the old patriarch, the, the falling away of the mask of Jupiter, all of that stuff is happening right now. You know, go no further than Terence McKenna. God bless him. And, <laughs> yes. and, you know, it's all happening now. It's all collapsing in. The apocalypse, the, the skin, the mask, the dis- disguise that effectively has been disguising us from ourselves, masking us from ourselves. This is the great unmasking. It's not the unmasking of some diabolical, jealous God. So, you know, the, the, those gods are outdated anyway. Their days were always numbered. The unmasking is us unmasking us. So, in other words, your, your perspective of the religions of the world is that they are a mask. Would you say that they are, in your view, a mask of something actually very precious? that on the outer shells of them have their own very human uh, motives that engage all sorts of selfishness, power, and control. But underneath it, there's sort of almost a a precious egg of love and wisdom at the heart of it all. And the question, uh, uh, Mitch, more more than most people in this world, I think. I went in 1999, up until 2001, I was on a worldwide campaign uh, in launching Humanitad. I went, traveled the world for three years. I met with every religious leader and spiritual leader and shaped And most of them did. I was, I was very well connected at the time, and I was lucky that I had doors opening to me. Yeah. And I met with uh, the great and the good religious uh, leaders and spiritual leaders in so many countries around the world. I was camping in for months at a time. I was... You know, it's very strange clients meeting with these folks. And I'll tell you, I went, I asked a generic question of each of them, whether it was the Vatican or it was the Grand Imam, the Grand Vizier himself, in, in, in uh, the Coptic Bishop. Uh, uh, wherever I went, I asked one generic question of these spiritual masters and religious uh, masters and, and uh, li- religious leaders, forgive me. Yes. And I said to them, would you agree, being the head of your church or the head of your movement, would you agree that the religion of the human heart must take precedence over the religion of the Copts or Islam or whatever? Yes. And I was for nothing, Mitch, that every single one of them um, responded by saying yes. I, I have to say, in all honesty, if I'm going to keep it honest here, that I was hurled out by a couple of rabbis, but uh, everyone else 
if a woman said to me, yes, uh, I, I, I do concur that, that um, the religion of the human heart takes precedence over any sectarian religion. Mm. And that was in 1998, 1999, 2000. So I, I then set up the work of Humanitas understanding that even the power brokers, the guys who really held the, the keys uh, to, the, to, to those religious citadels, even those guys agreed that um, you know, the commonality of the human family is something which takes precedence and must be, we, we must now engender um, civilizationally. So that gave me a great deal of confidence in, in doing the work that we've been doing. Yes, indeed. Actually, that brings to mind uh, something uh that you and I have discussed a number of times, and I would wonder if you would like to put it on the table, which has to do, Sasha, with the experiments that you've been doing on the use of crystals and the measurement of fields emanating from the heart that you've been doing in Bali connected to a Swedish scientist. Um, is that something you would like to at least give us a, a quick look at? I'm not allowed to. I'm so sorry, Mitch. I wish you'd give me a bit of notice on this, but I haven't cleared it with our physicists. I haven't cleared it with our sensitives. And we, we, you know, we've done this work for five years now. I, I believe it to be very meaningful and very precious and very impactful work. Yes. I'll touch on it briefly um, for, for your listeners. I'm so sorry. I, I don't know, you know. We have shared so many things. I wasn't sure what was openable and what was not. So uh, just guide yourself accordingly. Not a problem. We'll discuss it at another time. But, yeah, whatever briefly you can share. Well, we've effectively grown crystals off the, off the tonal value of the human heart, and those crystals are resonating at the tonal uh, value of the human heart. I'm, I'm speaking in very broad terms, and uh, yeah. any scientists out there are going to be shooting me down in flames. They can do so. Um, I'm not going to go into the details here until I've been given the, the green light. But sure. those crystals are effectively uh, conscious. They're living, they're active, they're resonating at, uh, at this frequency X. And they are effectively emissary or representative of the human heart as it continues to evolve and fluctuate. And we've taken these crystals, and these crystals have been, we've been working with them in experiments and doing quantum broadcast experiments effectively over many, many thousands and thousands and thousands of miles in real time. We've linked uh, ayahuasca masters and, 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 and Sufis and, and, and uh, um, uh, clairvoyants and sensitives and mystics and meditators and yogis uh, to, to one another. And we've been monitoring this stuff in, in laboratory um, conditions. And I'll just tell you, we have seen some extraordinary results. Yes. That is excellent. Well, please, at the right moment, Sasha, come back to us here at A Better World to announce uh, the next steps and how others could possibly get involved to tune in and become part of a global coherence. Well, let's do that. I tell you, Mitch, I'd be more than happy if you give me, uh, when I'm back to Mexico, I'll just clear it with our, our folks. Yes. Because patents are tied up in this, and there's a lot of, although we own and we control the patents, I just need to get the approval of the, the folks before I can really speak openly on this. But I would love to bring them in. I'd love to bring in some of the scientists, uh, scientists yes. and for us to actually speak quite explicitly about what we've been doing for the last five years. Indeed. Indeed. We, will, we would love to do that here at A Better World because, honestly, and uh, this is no surprise to you um, but or perhaps the audience, but so much of what you are doing through Humanitad, Exemplar Zero Initiative, 
the New Earth Project are all touching all of the heart chords, the heart strings of a better world. It's almost like we are the um, North American sphere, our counterpart, fractal image of what you're doing over abroad. And um, I so appreciate all of the good work you're doing, Sasha Stone. It's, uh, it's exemplary is the best way of putting it. Thank you, Mitch. Absolutely. So thank you so much for joining us. If people want to gain more information about your work, do you want to give a website for this? Yeah, people are more than welcome to look in on humanitat.org. Uh, I guess many people do look in and go, oh, he works for the Illuminati. He works for, you know, he, he's one of them because we needfully deal with governments and uh, we have a presence, a web presence, which doesn't, uh, we don't go into much of our esoterica on the website, um, and there's lots of laurel reeds and um, and uh, uh, um, symbolism which makes people nervous. But we've used that symbolism, please be clear, as a challenge because uh, we believe that these covert elites um, that have been engineering our, our uh, holonomic stories for millennia need to be called out now. You know, yeah. the wreath of Caesars and all of that stuff. You want to really understand uh, these symbologies and where they come from and how they've been used. Uh, we set up our natural world organization, acronym the NWO, uh, for a reason, uh, as, as a counterpoint to uh, what is commonly understood by NWO. And we're challenging that idea and saying, no, yes. reclaim that acronym, reclaim the energy that is being sucked into that vortex and, and, and set the, the playing field straight. So uh, that play on word, acronym, and symbolism um, often gets us into trouble. But there you have it. People need to use their fifth density faculty of intuition to navigate anyway in life. I would encourage that anyway at the best of times. Exactly. Exactly. Well put again, Sasha. Please say hello to uh, Joseph Jovi, who uh, just joined us on the line. I'd like to introduce the two of you. Joseph, are you on the line? I'm here. Excellent. Morning, Welcome to A Better World. Good to hear your voice, Thank you. Joseph. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be here. Good, good, good. Take a moment and uh, say hello to um, Sasha Stone, my good friend, who's here now. Well, he'll be coming to Chichen Itza in a matter of days for all of the um, Synthesis Unity Festival events and rituals uh, about the same place. And Joseph has been um, making this film Sasha, called Shift of the Ages, which uh, for the last seven years, he just gave birth to it. It just, he's the writer and, uh, and uh, executive producer, so you should both meet in a better world. Hello, Sasha. Pleasure to meet you. Likewise, uh, Joseph. I'll actually meet tonight. I'll talk to you next tomorrow. Oh, tonight. Tonight. Well, thank you, Sasha Stone, again for joining us um, with your having so little time before your departure to Mexico, and I just want to wish you a uh, a wonderful and grand journey, and uh, we will talk soon. Please keep me in touch with all that's going on, and I'll make announcements accordingly on the air. Okay, best to you. Okay, that was Sasha Stone, as I told you at the uh, top of the show. He is the... Uh, director, founder and director of Humanitad, and um, 
Exemplar Zero Initiative, which is under the rubric of Humanitat, as well as the Natural World Organization, which is seeking to reestablish justice between the natural world and we humans, uh, where we have so unjustly dealt with our precious Gaia and uh, Sasha with the help of lawyers, uh, rather conscious and conscientious team of lawyers and many others are really challenging the current status quo in some rather profound ways about setting things aright. And uh, my hat goes off to him. He's also the founder of the New Earth Project, which he spoke about, and the Earth Sanctuary International. Uh, more of that is also on my website in, in our newsletter at abetterworld.tv under newsletter. So you can go and read a lot about what uh, Sasha Stone is up to. And now, just to uh, bring on our next guest, Joseph Giovi, who I was speaking about at the very beginning of the show is one of the uh, top contributors to Shift of the Ages as essentially its writer and executive producer. He's also the founder and director of CommonPassion.org, which has orchestrated hundreds of global meditation and prayer events around the world and dedicated himself to creating social and environmental harmony through the practical application of consciousness-related Research. His earlier career is as president and CEO of a biomedical research firm, as well as engineering and management positions he has held uh, for aerospace and NASA projects. And then this led to Joseph leading um, uh, into, I should say, entering the mind-body field as well as wellness, where he's worked with thousands of people groups, universities, and corporations as a clinical hypnotist, wellness coach, corporate trainer, and a professional speaker. Well, Joseph, I'm so glad to have you on. We met a few years ago and uh, were part of uh, some kind of global teleconference or teleseminar, which was certainly a lot of fun. And uh, I, I just admire the work that you've been doing and the persistence that you have shown at staying the course of this film project as well as your commitment to uh, creating a better world. So glad to have you on. Well, thank you, thank you Mitchell. Great Absolutely. to be here. Thank you for Absolutely. that wonderful introduction. Sure. Uh, listen, if you would, please, um, in light of the upcoming day of December 21st, talk to us a little bit about your film, Joseph, and uh, what sure. its relevance is and uh, ramifications are for the Mayan calendar and our our planet as it's uh, moving into this week. Sure. Uh, you know, we were approached about seven years ago by Mayan elders who we had been working with to uh, bring awareness to their culture. Many, many believe that the uh, Maya disappeared with the uh, Spanish conquest. Yes. And so we had been working with them already, and the Grand Elder of the Maya and the Mayan Council of Elders in Guatemala had asked us to make a film at this time to share their message with the world. And it wasn't the doomsday, doom and gloom, end of the world. It was that we all have a choice now. This is an opportunity. This is not the time of prophecy. It's the time of the fulfillment of prophecy. Yes. And the prophecies aren't, they don't revolve, not a single one revolves around 
death and destruction and illness and war and violence, uh, those are all things that come out of our misappropriation of, of the divine force that we're all, we're all gifted with. Uh, what the prophecies speak of is that it's a time of unification, that at, this is a, a spiritual springtime, a time of spiritual recovery. And that's what really the elders want us to relay uh, in this film. And so, as you had mentioned, for seven years we've been filming about the shift. So we've been, in, in a sense, making a film about a shifting world, kind of a moving target, so to speak, which is why it took us so long to get Definitely. This, this film finished. Well, and, what's uh, interesting is that seven years is its own cycle. You know? Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Probably no no coincidence there. Right. Um, right. Have you ever so, endeavored to do a project such as that? Well, you know, I knew this was going to, going to be a big project when we started, and it's been more than making a film. There's a movement surrounding this, and in fact, when when your view, when your audience actually watches the film, you'll see that it's not a, a static experience. It's it's meant to engage and to compel people to move that shift, to activate that shift in their individual lives, in their communities, and in the world. And you know that that shift starts first with healing, our personal healing, and what uh, Wandering Wolf. Um, the Grand Elder of the Maya talks about his ancestral wound, uh, ancestral healing, healing this wound that's been carried forth from generation to generation, not just in the indigenous people, but a wound we all carry. Sure. And it, it's time to heal that and to invite the new sun, this new period of the sun in, this 5,200-year cycle that everyone thinks uh, is related to the Mayan calendar ending. That's pure nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no ending. Uh, the Mayan, Mayan view of time is so much different than ours. It's mm-hmm. more spiral or circular. And so yeah. for every uh, one cycle that comes to completion, it feeds right into another cycle that begins. And it's, But with the Mayan system of timekeeping, one cycle is not the same as the last. Every mm-hmm. day has its unique energy. Every year in the sacred choke or choking that has their sacred energy. And the Maya don't necessarily place too much emphasis on December 21st, 2012. They're not saying it's a galactic alignment. They're not saying that it's the end of the one period of the sun. They're saying that could be 50 to 75 years in the future. That's what we're experiencing now is a transition period. We're so used to trying to fix things on a specific day in the calendar but they're saying this is the transition, what they call the change of suns uh, from one cycle to the next. Um, so I realize that may be news to uh, many people listening to this, but that December 21st to many of the elders we work with, they don't believe that's the end of their calendar or the end of the long count. Voila. I'm very glad you're I, I I personally knew that, having met the mm-hmm. elders and uh, – interviewed uh, Hunbat's men a couple of years ago when he was at the United Nations with the other elders and the grandmothers when I had the opportunity to meet them and uh, interview him. And yes. uh, hopefully, you know, we may be able to have uh, uh, Wandering Wolf on. We'll see. Um, it's not looking good, I understand. He's being uh, called into a photo shoot. 
at uh, whereas a better world is calling him as well we'll see what happens but uh i very much appreciate the point you're making joseph about the circularity in fact mm-hmm. the circularity of their calendar is completely um a fractal understanding exactly. of the circularity of the seasons of nature and mm-hmm. it's not from that point of view i'm sure it's not different so by no means did uh, I think that December 21st was some kind of a evolutionary cliff, if you will. Right, <laughs> right, right. phrase these days of cliff or image, I should say. But the thing is, uh, there are those people who have been misguided by Hollywood and their own fear, because fear is uh, the big lesson we have here on this planet to overcome this this negative often confused, though sometimes intelligent, emotion. And uh, I know that we're geared toward its um, neutralization. I'll put it that way. So your words are very welcome. And I know intuitively it's also. And I did turn to Don Alejandro at the UN, at the Church Center back in 2010, and I said, so all of the brouhaha about December 21st. I want to know from you, what does it look like on December 22nd? And he smiled, and uh, he looked out the window. And it was a beautiful day in New York. It was nice and bright and sunny. And he nodded, and he said, you see that out there? It's probably going to be something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, right. You know, it's a lovely answer to... Uh, mm-hmm. An appropriate question. <laughs> yeah, and I think and it's, it's, it's so relevant now, Mitchell, what you're bringing now. up here. I'm because sorry? It's so relevant what you're bringing up here, what we're discussing now, because there's there's too much of a tendency to be so linear and people want answers, what's going to happen on December 22nd, or think that there's some gonna, something going to be special or magical about one day. Right. Even let's let's think about this notion of a galactic alignment, like the ecliptic of the solar system is going to somehow line up with the ecliptic of the galaxy. Now, think of of one day, 24 hours, one revolution of the Earth on its axis in galactic time. Yes. (laughs) Right? Exactly. To to think that 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 the, the 20th is somehow less significant than the 21st because it's not quite at that alignment, even if that were true. And right. I have not been able to verify that through NASA, through cosmologists, anywhere. I've not been able to verify that that alignment is actually occurring. But even right. if it was, that, like, not even a blink of an eye in galactic time, exactly. if it was that significant, wow, that would be. Well, so I think we need to get uh, get ourselves out of this mode of, and, and more into the Maya time mode where we're experiencing the flow of time, which is experience. They're much more present-oriented. And if we have something to learn from the Mayan elders and spending time with them, it is that. It's like be present. This yeah. this is the magical moment right now. That's we right. don't need another few days to go by for the 21st. And then, you know, the 25th is going to be a magical moment. And that moment you connect with your child or you're in the garden or you have a spiritual connection at the top of a mountain or with yep. a group of people. Those or are on the subway moments. in New York City. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, your words are, are very much uh, welcomed. Uh, 
and I hope if there is any fear among our audience that it be fully allayed with these words because that's what they're, uh, you know, designed to do. And um, I no, I very much appreciate it. Um, my audience, I dare say, Joseph, is a uh, an elevated audience in so yeah, many respects. I can imagine. They yes. have understandings like ours and beyond. So um, yeah. it's an mm-hmm. honor for me to be of service to them, quite honestly. Sure. Um, but I do want to bring something to bear that I just learned about last night through a dear friend of mine in a little meditation group I was attending. And um, he gave me this uh, information that originates at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. And it's the newly discovered gamma ray jets, here I'll read this, extend for 27,000 light years above and below the galactic plane and are tilted at an angle of 15 degrees. Previously known gamma ray bubbles are shown in a beautiful image of purple. The bubbles and jets suggest that our galactic center was much more active in the past than it is today. But based on, and anyone can go to this website, it's CFA, Center for Astrophysics, Exploring the Universe, it's called. But supposedly, and maybe you can shed some light on this, um, this these huge dual uh, gamma ray beams and bubbles um, have a certain point of unison occurring on December 21st. Do you know anything about that? No, no this I is don't. astronomical. No. This is mm-hmm. not metaphysical. This is not astrological. This is astronomical information. Huh? Right. Yeah. And you know the 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 useful thing when you when you start examining scientific data is you have to, you have to also look at are there other uh, unique events or special events that occur over time? Yeah. Or is it the old, you know what I'm saying? There, yeah. It's it's really easy to take information out of context. I'm not suggesting you're doing that. I'm just saying from it's it's uh, this is part of the problem where where uh, information gets used out of context and then it becomes fact. You know. Yeah. Uh, six generations of sharing <laughs> over the internet. Exactly. So I, I would love to receive that. You wouldn't mind sending me that email. We'll look at oh, it. I can even ask. My pleasure. I'll be glad to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about what it's been like to um, produce this film. In fact, let's let everyone know that you can access this film. Uh, Joseph has made it, and his uh, and his group has made it available for free, no charge, until I guess it's midnight of December 21st. And if you go to www.shiftoftheages.com, shiftoftheages.com. Uh, you will be able to um, tune into this uh, into this website into this film that took seven years to produce. So, yes. uh, yeah, Joseph, give us a little uh, idea. Well, sure. Uh, thank you, Mitchell. Also, I just wanted to let you know that you know we are not Mayan, and our purpose in the film was to give the Maya a voice. You know, they don't yeah. use cell phones. They don't use email or text messaging. They don't write books. Very few do you see actually involved in that. They're 
tradition is an oral tradition. So in terms of making this film, which would really encourage you to watch and hear directly from the Maya what this time is, um, it, it was about hearing stories of their lives, uh, particularly Wandering Wolf, Alejandro Cirilo Perez Oshla, the Grand Elder of the Maya, elected Grand Elder. Yes. Um, hearing stories of his life back through the 1900s and the Civil War and the oppression of his people, um, the stories that have been carried uh, for gen from generation to generation, their creation story, which is considered a, a myth to outsiders and yes. pretty much discounted because it's a, they think it's a myth. But when the Maya tell it, it's their story. It's it's like the the people who believe in the creation in the Bible, the first yes. book of the Bible. That's not considered a myth to to those people that uh, that believe True. that. And so um, the making of the Shift of the Ages was a a pretty twisty, turny kind <laughs> of thing mixed up with yeah. trying to bridge this really deeply spiritual culture. Uh, with a lot of the myths and misconceptions that had existed around them, uh, trying to validate as much data as we could because we know we'd become under fire uh, the minute we released it. So we had screenings done where we invited archaeologists to view it, and, of course, they they ripped it apart saying this isn't accurate, that isn't accurate. Um, and so we, we tried to find that balance um, between what, the elders were telling us through their story that we were translating into the media of film um, and some level of integrity with the, with the data. But having said that, I think it's really important to understand a really basic function. Now, if anyone can look on Wikipedia or the timeline that we have on the Shift of the Ages site right on the homepage and see what the archaeological record says about the period of the Mayan civilization, which started roughly 200 to 300 BCE and uh, went to about 800 or 900 um, CE. Yeah. And, um, but you know what? Think about this. What the, what, the long, what we know is the long count, which is a roughly 5,200-year cycle, which the Maya call a, a, a period of the sun, mm -hmm. this, to them... We are in, leaving right now, we are in the fifth sun. So just mm. think about this for a moment. Yeah. So they have, they have tracked, we're in the fifth period of 5,200 years that they've been tracking. Now, I'd like to ask you, how many periods of 5,200 years do you think you would have to have observed before you noticed the 5,200-year cycle in the first place? <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, And so they say they got their knowledge from visitors from the stars, from the Pleiades. Not yeah. to say we're, not that, that that was their origin, but that these prophets, these beings of light came and gave them this knowledge that, that turned into this sophisticated time system uh, of over 20 calendars. Yes. And so that, uh, that point alone, that when you speak to the Maya and their stories of the origin of their their civilization, that they go back tens of thousands of years, not yes. just to fit in with the, the normal archaeological record. And that has some pretty significant implications. When you go to the pyramids there in Central America, uh, the temples, and by the way, the Maya don't like calling them ruins. Maya, 
uh, <laughs> well, the early at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, at the beginning of the filming, uh, we didn't put it in the film. It was one of the things that had to be edited out. But he said, you know, people come here and they ruin our our temples, and then they call them ruins. Yes, to us, really. they're not that's ruins. They're, to us, they're ruins. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You ruin them, and then you call them ruins. Well, to us, they're not. They're they're our sacred temples. They're still alive. They're still vibrating with the energy of our ancestors and all the ceremony we've done. And you know that that simple point, Mitchell, is really what we try to get across in the film in every way. To the Maya, everything is sacred. The the ground you walk on, the connection you have with other people, the the food you eat, how you eat it. How you meditate, how you pray, everything is sacred in their in their yeah. cosmovision. Well, how do. you know what I'm saying? I totally so do. It's, it's hard because people wanted the shift of the ages to be some sort of you know linear account of the you know the long count and what's going to happen and blah 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 because they think prophecy is someone foretelling the future. Yes. Well, with the calendar system and what the existing Mayan elder council does is they take what they know that they've each been taught about their their calendar system, but they move it into their meditation. They meditate, they pray together, they share their visions, and then collectively as a council of over 500 elders, men and women, they they say, okay, this is what we, we are seeing is going to happen. It doesn't make the newspapers. It doesn't get put out on blog posts or anything else. Those council members, they're doing it to hold that energy, and what they're asking us to do is the same thing, to honor the energies of the day in the present moment, tap into your intuition. If you can hear the voice of the ancestors, the word of the ancestors, then you're aligned with them. And But they want, want us also to put that into action in your life and in your, in your community. That's really yeah. what they're asking us to do. I, I appreciate that very much, Joseph. I, I want to say, in uh, all fairness to uh, those of us who are not Maya uh, by birth, that all indigenous cultures that I know of uh, have at the core a sacred view of life, which imbues each season, each activity, each day with that energy and even if you look at the names of our weekdays sunday monday Monday, tuesday mars day you will see that there's a signification to every single day in our western style calendar as well it's that the heart of it all has been unfortunately lost. And astrology happens to be one place where it is somewhat maintained and acknowledged. But right, right. But, uh, you know, the esoteric, so to speak, the, the sacred quality of each passing day was very much part of the Western spiritual tradition. It's just gotten exchanged, if you will, replaced by a um, a material world view and secularized view by and large that just doesn't recognize the importance of lunar activity or the meaning embedded in the words and the names of the days. 
Yes. You know, so that's so really good to, to bring that. it back the to that. Maya, yeah. The Maya have their own features and distinctions that um, are best when they're highly respected and honored. But I also want to do the same with our roots, even though I feel we have gone far afield in missing the juiciest points of life on Earth as a society. And we have veered far from what our true purpose and heritage really are. Um, it is the, the, it's in our DNA to return to the sacred. And uh, in my worldview, the Maya represents that and are helping even us more secularized Westerners, materialized Westerners, come to that awareness. So for that, I, I myself am deeply grateful to the Maya. Yes, yeah. You know, I'd like to ask you a couple more questions, if I may. Mm-hmm. One sure. actually is um, uh, something that has been attributed to Mayan culture that, you know, I, I will preface this by saying, Joseph, the archaeologist and the anthropologist do their best to uncover and make uh, information, data, stones, texts, etc., and they make inferences that are or are not accurate, and some of us may not ever, ever know the answer. But unfortunately, there's a little hubris in that as well. So I want you to know mm-hmm. I prep the next question with that. There has been attributed to uh, Maya religious practices the act of sacrifice, um, and I don't mean of a goat, but of a human. About that in your dealing with the elders over years of time? Well, yeah, I can tell you what they say. I don't have yeah. any um, evidence myself one way or the other, but a couple interesting stories around it. Yeah. You know, to answer the question most uh, concisely and to the point, uh, Alejandro, Grand, uh, Grand Elder Wandering Wall, says they are not human sacrificers, period. Um, there are some notion that there was this the game that would be played where the winner would be sacrificed i mean what i mean it's just hard to imagine that uh, any sort of society or culture would um would sacrifice their greatest athletes that you can imagine <laughs> right. right um yeah. and even if that was to do be done voluntarily what what kind of motivation would people have to win um <laughs> yes exactly right they would throw so, the game. <laughs> and, you know, an, and the interesting story around that is just recently in Guatemala, there was uh, uncovered a, a mass grave of, of Mayans. Hundreds of people poured in a big pot, a big pile, and then buried. And um, it was discovered, and the, the indigenous elders rushed there to make to help make news out of it. Because you know what their concern was? That if this was just covered back up again in 10 or 20 years or 100 years and it was found again, they would say that the Maya had sacrificed all these people. But what this grave site was, mass grave site, was the, the absolute atrocities that were afflicted on the Maya. Whole villages burned in the last 100 years. People hmm. burned. Um, women raped. Children uh, slaughtered through this so-called civil 
uh, civil war that was happening in Guatemala through the 1900s. Yes. And um, so it was er interesting that they came to the public soon and say, hey, this is because of the slaughter. Yes. This, these weren't, my, you know, Mayan sacrificers. Sure. And uh, so I don't. I know there there is evidence that suggests that, but we all know that history is written by the victors. Exactly. That was my you point know? in a way. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And and that uh, much of the history I've seen that I learned when I was in, in school that I've learned differently from being with the elders. Uh, even things like the glyphs that you can go onto Wikipedia or people have in books and they try to interpret the glyphs, well, uh, the elders will take us aside and say, here's what this glyph means. Mm. And it has nothing whatsoever to do with what's in the textbooks. And, and you know, you would think that this council of 500 elders or so would be would have been consulted with by yes. the archaeologists and people who are trying to interpret it, but they're not. Yeah. Yes. Why? Why would you miss that? They know the language. <laughs> they they have these traditions that are carried forth. Sure. And so, you know, I'm not knocking archaeologists. I mean, I I have a great deal of respect for yeah, that. me too. For that field me of too. science. Um, me too. It's it's just uh, I wish it was more inclusive um, and yes, not indeed. so academically Definitely. oriented. You know, if you don't, if the elders had PhDs, they might be listening to them. But since they don't <laughs> right. have the the right to go to the school, you know. Yeah. There, 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 there's still a lot of bias down there against the indigenous. It's really, really yeah. sad to see, and that's what we're hoping to remedy with the film: bring yeah. awareness of the world to the mind culture that's still vibrant, still alive. They have a right to to life and a right to live to their tradition, to preserve their language, their 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 way of life, their food, their dress, all of those things. And that's what yes. we're hoping. Part of what we're hoping the film does. Yes, yes, exactly. I Unfortunately, there is this outrageous prejudice as though we all do not come from an indigenous culture. I do yeah. not understand right. for the life of me. I think the problems are, well, deeply psychological and emotional. Sure. Um, another question is um, because of the Spanish conquest, there were, of course, the Maya that went underground and disappeared and um, became diffused over large uh, geographical areas. And there's some sense that I've gathered that their lineage of wisdom keeping was also diffused and that a clear line of transmission was interrupted over the course of some hundreds of years and then gradually over time it got restored but never fully. So in other words the Mayan elders wisdom keepers, timekeepers of you know let's say of the 15th century never were able to hand down the knowledge they had as such in an unbroken lineage of oral transmission, but that it was revived, whatever, a couple of hundred years ago or so, and they re-pieced together the indigenous knowledge, and they did the best they could, like the Mayan elders of today. 
elderly that they may be, wise as they may be, are still not the full recipients of what their genealogy, their lineage, really held. What do you know about that? Well, well, I I think there's um, there's uh, quite a quite an element of truth to that, as you can imagine. You know, yeah. entire civilization was intended to be wiped out, and what was it 14—I uh, forget the exact year—around 1400s, um, the bishop Diego uh, that had burned literally went and systematically burned and destroyed all Mayan texts and codices. Yeah, he burned the elders at the stake. That you make uh, reference to in the uh, film. In the film, and yeah, yeah exactly. I really like the film, and by so, the way, Joseph. Oh, really glad you enjoyed it. Truly, yeah. Thank you. Um, it was a it was a team effort. Not only the Mayans, but we have an incredible crew here that stuck yeah. with us the whole time. Um, so clearly, it would, there had to be an impact uh, to that uh, ch- chain of wisdom um, that was handed down. And of course, it would be more intact if that if their texts and codices hadn't been burned and destroyed. Right. Um, having said that, there. The the way, at least when you experience the Maya today, it's not just relying on what's uh, in stone or in print. As I'd mentioned before, the council meet, they go into meditation, they travel dimensionally, they bring back visions. Um, that has not been interrupted. And so um, in terms of Mayan wisdom, I know there are some non-Mayans out there that claim that you know, that they are getting the truth about uh, Mayan prophecy or Mayan wisdom and that, you know, the Maya need to recover it through them. Um, I don't believe any of that. I believe yeah. if anyone has access to the Mayan wisdom, it's going to be these Mayan elders who who live this. And they're, you know, they're recognized from the d- day of their birth based on the energies around their birth and the soul king. Um, yeah. <clears throat> what, you know, what their what their role is in life and then they're, they're nurtured, they're cultivated with that in mind. Yeah. And so many people considering themselves, non-Mayans considering themselves daykeepers nowadays because they read a couple of books and they study for a couple of years. Well, they don't get to call themselves an Aki until they've lived all the rounds of the calendar at the age of 52. So this, their tradition starts from, from birth, tuning into these energies, playing with the energies, the mathematics, the way they do ceremony, all of that is part of the, the tradition. And yes. I think it's, uh, it's unfortunate that people are diminishing that by, by claiming that they have, have some sort of gatekeeper status that are non-Mayan that haven't done this tradition that the Maya do still to this day. Yes. So, yeah, yeah I don't know if that answers your question directly. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's very that helpful. That would be my no, answer no, I, to it. Yeah. yeah, I very much appreciate it, very much appreciate it. And last uh I would just like to ask you, Joseph, and from your point of view, and I know you've already actually addressed it, but I just want to kind of ask it explicitly. Um, from your view, having spent so much time with um, uh, with uh, Wandering Wolf and with the other elders and engaged in the depth of this film, which really is educational and interesting, and I really, uh, really recommend uh, – the audience to go to shiftoftheages.com and uh, enjoy the free download of it uh, while you can, which is up till about midnight of December 21st. Um, 
It's about an hour and a half long or so. Yes. Uh, what do you leave all your experiences of them with in terms of what the intrinsic meaning is of December 21st? Mm. Well, the elders are celebrating it as a solstice, not any any more special, more or less than any other solstice. Yes. Um, and um, so I take my lead from them. I don't have yep. any basis to determine it otherwise. I, I have, as I mentioned, yes. tried to investigate whether there's some special significance. The elders don't see anything particularly special about about that day. Yep. They do say the sun this month, December 2012, the sun is uh, seems to be going through some changes. This is what they see in their visions. Yeah. Um, but from from my standpoint, personally, not just the involvement with the film, but how it came to meet the elders um, in the first place, uh, yeah. Wandering Wolf was in India seven years ago um, with this translator, uh, Grandmother Elizabeth Araujo. Mm -hmm. uh, through Common Passion, the nonprofit that I had founded uh, back in 98, we doing these global meditation and prayer events, trying yeah. to involve larger and larger groups of people. Um, that's how I met them anyway. We had crossed paths and then they decided to work together. Yeah. Um, the, the, from, so from a collective consciousness standpoint, that so many people are involved now that are, are awakened, uh, the people listening to this program, for instance, that are recognizing that this isn't the end of the world. It's a new beginning. It's a new day, a new sun that we're entering. The fact that so many people are aligned yes. coherently with this, and the more people we can move out of that fear-based um, um, mode yep. and into open, receptive, harmony, it's time to get along like the fingers of the hand to do your own healing, to me that's the significance of December 21st. Beyond what anyone's intellectual speculation is, oh. it's the fact that millions of people around the world over the coming days are going to be aligned coherently with this, this message of a new birth, new sun, new day, new life, new way of bringing discarding the old, letting go of that old crud from the past, let it change our educational systems, our political systems, move move this energy into the world actively. That's what I believe, personally. Yes, it's breaking up a little bit. For some reason, I'm having a hard time hearing you right now. Um, did you catch anything of what I said? No, say that last piece. That last sentence. Um, that's what I believe, that it's everyone coming together during this time, regardless of yeah. anyone's intellectual idea of what December 21st. It's the fact that millions of people are coming together coherently yes. through yes. the collective. It's an opportunity for collective celebration. Exactly. That itself is a power. So even if December 21st doesn't have any intrinsic meaning, yes. the collective power that we share through our collective energy, our collective consciousness, is making that change a reality. And that has been borne out That's through sure. the scientific studies that we've done through the Global Consciousness Project, uh, through Maharishi yes. Mahesh Yogi's uh, social studies. Um, yes. Kind of bringing that objective to it. That That's what it's telling us, is that we are yes. making a change right this moment. That's so why I was yes. saying it doesn't need to be December 21st. 
And my, my concern about December 21st is that people will wake up the 22nd and say, oh, not, everything's pretty much the same. So then they'll discard <laughs> yeah. everything that, that has been. No, that's, we can't do that. It's not a day. It's a oh, process. That's so absurd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's only for people. It's, it's the same thing with idolatry, you know? Sure. <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's, it's a very confused energy and perspective. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I understand. And I, I think that those people deserve exactly what they get, frankly. Yeah. Right. You know, right. it's, uh, it's, yeah. they, they decide to be ridiculous from the outset. They'll have a ridiculous experience at the, at the completion, you know? Right. So, right. Well, thank you very much for weighing in on all of that. I think it was very important. Um, we're just about out of time, but I just want to ask you, since we did uh, attempt to bring on Wandering Wolf into the show, I know you're doing a shoot out there right now in L.A., a photo shoot. Is, him, is he anywhere in your midst? Is there any possibility no, I, of bringing him I on can, for a few minutes? I can, unfortunately not. Um, I can see them, and they're still can you hear me? engaged. Yeah. I, can you hear me? Hello? Oh, I, you know, it's intermittent. I don't know why. I can hear oh. you. Okay. Yeah, I can see them uh, where they are, and they're still quite engaged. we got a kind of a production crew around. He's actually filming a um, – we're filming a – I mean, even if he was world. able to just uh, come forward for for two minutes just to say hello to our audience, that would be wonderful. Let me go look. I, it's uh, it would be in Spanish. Um, can you hear me? For some reason, it's breaking up. No, I I can hear oh, you, but Spanish. How's your how's your? Uh, I I can hear you. I have signal. Oh no, he's uh, I'm he's completely tied up. There's no way. I he's can what? Pull him. He's completely tied up. There. I don't know why this is breaking up. I'm so sorry, but I'm hearing you only intermittently. Go ahead. Um, I'm I'm saying, you were saying? He is, he's tied up. There's there's no way he can he can come in here. I'm sorry. Um, uh, we've, we've got no we've got a big crew here right now, and um, yeah, it, it, we're on we're on a t- kind of a time frame here, Mitchell. Sorry that I yeah I do that. Yeah, I'm, no worry. The, I appreciate the, the thought. The original we'll time do we had, time. I, I could have had him on there. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, here's where yeah. we're at. Exactly. Yeah. I appreciate your efforts, and perhaps we'll do it another time. Yes. Well, what we're doing, part of what we're doing now is recording a his message to the world, you know, about 10 minutes of him addressing the world about this time in his own words, and we're going to be putting that up on our site and on YouTube so people will be able to hear directly from him at this at this right. moment. That's what we're recording now, and he's got to catch a plane, and so I, I can't disturb that that uh, flow right now oh no uh, i understand i yeah. understand well joseph i want to just thank you again for being on the show with us today and sharing all of your own wisdom and experience with us around the mayan calendar the mayan culture mayan wisdom and uh i would say human wisdom altogether you know yeah very yeah. i thank you for your good work yes thank you very much thank you for having me here and um, I thank you all for for watching the film and helping us spread the message to the four corners. That's what the elders want us to do. 
spread the message Indeed. to the four corners. That's why we're offering it free now. So take Indeed. advantage of that and share it. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, thanks again, Joseph, and we'll be in touch soon. All right, Mitchell. Thank you. Uh, Have a great day. Thank you. You too now. Bye-bye. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed that and got some benefit from listening to these uh, wisdom keepers, truly, truly, and I, I so appreciate them. I'm at uh, – you can reach me through www.abetterworld.tv. Uh, we've had some technical difficulties here for whatever reason, and I don't understand what accounts for it, but it seems like it's happening. Um, nonetheless, I want to just thank you all for being part of a better world and have a wonderful time on December 21st, no matter what you're doing, and realize it's just another day among a set of glorious days called your life. So with that said, I thank you again for listening in and make sure to join our newsletter at www.abetterworld.tv. I do know that it's been down a little bit. We have to get something reconfigured on the website, which we will do um, in short order, actually. And um, then we will um, carry on with you and us. Excellent. Thank you again for joining. This is Mitchell J. Rabin, and I will see you all next week.